Hi everyone. I'm pleased to be here today to speak with you. Uh, my name is Rivka Shulman Rosenbaum. I'm a physician with a uh, division of endocrinology at Northwell. I'm also the director of inpatient diabetes uh, here at Long Island Jewish Medical Center. And uh, I was asked by Dr. Kirpin to speak today, thank you, uh, regarding medical devices in endocrinology. Um, specifically, we're gonna be speaking about diabetes today. Now, many things have changed in the world of diabetes management uh, since the time of your training, which may have been you know, a few years ago or many years ago. Um, but uh, you know, it is important to be aware of the newer things that have come out because it really has uh, innovated the way that we treat diabetes in the recent years. Um, so I'd like to walk you through today, uh, specifically focusing on uh, the devices, um, uh, technological devices that are being used uh, for the management of diabetes. Uh, there's also been many new medications, and since I only have 20 minutes, uh, we're going to focus on the devices for today. Uh, so with that, I'll go ahead and begin my presentation. I don't have any disclosures for the talk today. Uh, for my objectives, we're going to review uh, the newer endocrine devices, specifically continuous glucose monitors and insulin pumps. We'll be speaking about the artificial pancreas and what that means, um, and discuss some of the available literature regarding uh, these uh, items, specifically the artificial pancreas. So I'm sure you're all familiar with glucometers, which is the traditional way of monitoring glucose levels for patients with diabetes. However, we are moving beyond the use of glucometers now, although patients still do use them, um, but newer technologies are coming out. So let's talk about continuous glucose monitors, or CGMs. So traditionally, when patients monitor their glucose levels using a glucometer at home, you'll have several discrete values of glucose levels depending on how many times a day they're checking their sugar level. However, you don't actually know what's going on in between those times, uh, those discrete times where glucose is being monitored. The benefit of having a continuous glucose monitor, a CGM, is that you actually know what is going on with the patient's glucose throughout the entire day, throughout the entire week. Uh, and you have much higher level information about what's going on. For example, you might not know about certain high or low glucose values by having only a few finger sticks per day because these might occur during times in between the finger stick checks. Um, and this is why having a CGM provides such uh, wonderful information allowing us to optimize a patient's diabetes regimen. So a CGM system has three main components. There is a sensor, which is placed under the skin and measures glucose in the interstitial fluid. There is a transmitter, which sends the signal from the sensor to a receiver. A receiver could be a standalone item or a smartphone, which captures the information that is being sent to it from the transmitter and displays glucose values. It's important to understand the difference between a capillary glucose and an interstitial fluid glucose meaning the difference in the number from the glucometer and a CGM. When the glucose level has been stable for a period of time, these numbers may be very similar. However, in periods of rapid change of glucose, there is a five to 15 minute time lag for the interstitial fluid to read what the blood glucose is. Now, this isn't necessarily a problem, um, but it means that you have to understand how to interpret the numbers when comparing a glucometer to a CGM. It doesn't necessarily mean that one is right and the other is wrong. They're just giving you slightly different information. 
So I'd like to talk about some of the currently available CGM systems. Uh, and I'll speak about each in a little bit more detail in the coming slides. We have the Dexcom system, the MiniMed, the Freestyle Libre, and Sensionics. Now, I do want to explain that there's two overall types of CGM. There is a professional CGM versus a personal CGM. A professional CGM is where the physician places a one-time CGM in order to obtain further information about glucose trends for the patient. In this situation, the patient does not have ongoing supply or ongoing usage of the product. They also do not have um, immediate feedback of the glucose levels. Uh, it is only downloaded at the end of the period of wear, which might be about two weeks, for the use of the doctor. But in this situation, the patient does not need um, insurance coverage to obtain the product. It can be done uh, much more readily. Um, a personal CGM is a device that is owned by the patient that is used regularly and for an ongoing basis and provides immediate feedback on what the glucose levels are to the patient and a downloadable report for the physician. In terms of coverage, uh, the personal CGM to have it covered by the insurance frequently requires that the patients are already monitoring their finger sticks four times a day, that they're on intensive insulin therapy three to four times a day, um, they might be already on an insulin pump, um, or if they have a history of recurrent hypoglycemia or hypoglycemia unawareness. So to describe the MiniMed and Light or Guardian uh, CGM system, it does show a predictive rate of change and low and high alerts with trend arrows. It updates the glucose level every five minutes. Um, there is a software for downloading. Uh, the downside for this system is that calibration with finger sticks is required three to four times a day. So the patient has all the benefits of the CGM, but they still have to check their finger sticks fairly regularly. Um, and this system is for six to seven days wear prior to replacing it. Moving on to a very popular uh, CGM system is the Dexcom. The newest version is the G6. Um, so this one is worn for 10 days. It also updates the readings every five minutes. Um, you can easily use um, your smartphone uh, with an app that tracks your glucose levels automatically, um, and it can show you uh, whether, you know, using the arrows, whether your glucose is going up, predicted to be increasing at what rate, predicted to be decreasing, um, or whether it's steady. Um, and then it will alarm you if you have a low or high glucose and the patient can set what those thresholds are for the alarms. This is great for our patients who were concerned about hypoglycemia when they're sleeping because it can alarm them and wake them up from sleep. Um, the data is downloadable, and one of the really wonderful things about the G6 version of the Dexcom, which was different from the prior versions, is that no calibration with finger sticks is required. So patients are essentially liberated from the need to check their finger sticks, which patients love. Moving on to the Freestyle Libre, which is a very popular item that you may be seeing more on commercials on TV. Um, this item is the one that we have the easiest time getting covered for patients with type 2 diabetes. Um, the other systems are more commonly being used for patients with type 1 diabetes. Uh, you don't have to calibrate with finger sticks, similar to the G6 Dexcom. Um, you do need to scan the uh, sensor for a result each time. It doesn't auto update every five minutes like the other system. Um, it also doesn't have alarms to alert you to high or low glucose. So this is not as comprehensive of a system 
as uh, had just been mentioned for the Dexcom. Um, and the newest version of the Freestyle Libre is worn for 14 days prior to changing it. And patients typically wear it on their upper arm, um, and you may be seeing this being prescribed more often. Just to briefly mention one system called the Sensionics, which is actually a 90-day implantable sensor. It requires an in-office procedure uh, to be implanted, uh, and it does require two times a day calibrations. So due to these two reasons, we haven't been using this system as much, but it is another option. Just to mention about a measure called the Mean Absolute Relative Difference, or MARD, uh, which is a measure of accuracy that is used to describe how accurate the CGM system is. Um, this graph shows, um, dating back to 2006, the various versions of the Dexcom system. Um, the older versions were not very accurate uh, with a higher MARD, um, and that's why they still required finger stick calibrations, but the G6, as I mentioned, has uh, better accuracy, better MARD, um, 9%, and does not require the finger stick calibrations. Just a quick note regarding the use of CGMs and hypoglycemia. So the accuracy of glucose value in the hypoglycemia range is not very good for CGMs. So it's important to understand that uh, you always can do a confirmation finger stick if you're questioning whether a value is true hypoglycemia for patients on CGMs. This is an example of a report that would be downloaded in our office for a patient using a CGM. As you can see, it gives you an estimated A1C at the top of the report, which reflects the time period of the download, typically a two-week period, um, which is helpful because even if you have their actual blood value hemoglobin A1C, that's a three-month value, and this is a two-week value, and sometimes the patients have been doing better or worse in the last few weeks, and it does give you a different type of information. You can also see the trends of the glucose overnight, morning, before meals, after meals, hypoglycemia, hyperglycemia, and it's really a valuable report that we use to adjust the insulin or other medications that the patient is using. This is another uh, type of report that we get from the download. It's called a glucose sensor profile, and each color is a different day of the week. So you could ask the patient, oh, how come your sugar was high on Tuesday? And they might remember that was a, a party that I went to and I ate something out of the ordinary. So you can really um, get very detailed information from these reports, um, having these discussions with your patients to help optimize their medication plan. To briefly mention uh, the commissaire study, which was comparing the use of injectable insulin, pump insulin, finger sticks, and CGMs. And it showed that patients using a CGM had A1C reduction regardless of whether they were on injectable insulin or insulin pump, meaning that the CGM itself would help lower the A1C. Moving on to insulin pumps. These are not new, uh, but the technology has been improving. Uh, and we will be speaking more about the combination of CGMs and insulin pumps. Um, and just to show you uh, the picture of the first insulin pump, we have certainly come a long way. So what is an insulin pump? It is also known as continuous subcutaneous insulin infusion. It is a programmable device that delivers a flow of insulin continuously to the body using a fast-acting insulin only. There's only one insulin in the pump. Part of it is, it is administered as a basal insulin, giving a little bit throughout the day. And part of it is given as boluses uh, controlled by the patient for a meal or to correct a high glucose level. 
there's many benefits of using the insulin pump, but one is that you can customize a patient's basal insulin at various times of the day, which is different from a patient receiving injectable insulin that has the same amount of basal insulin on board throughout the day. You can customize it to have a lower basal insulin overnight while the patient is sleeping, a higher basal insulin for the dawn phenomenon in the morning, or various other uh, details regarding the patient's activity level at different times of the day. You can have the patient use the temporary basal function where they can give themselves a certain percent for exercise or for sickness to adjust it higher or lower. Patients also bolus themselves uh, for meals and for high glucose values, and it is very easy because it's just the press of a button and not separate injections for each time. Other advantages of insulin pump therapy compared to injectable insulin therapy uh, would be less hypoglycemia, the need for fewer injections. It's more convenient and discreet. If someone's at a restaurant, they can just click the button. Uh, they don't have to you know, inject themselves in the restaurant. Um, and the flexibility, so if patient eats part of a meal and then has another part of a meal later, they can take their insulin in increments easily without having to give constant injections. Uh, patients report improved quality of life while using insulin pumps. We have the benefit of very small dosing increments. So for patients who are very sensitive to insulin, we can really fine tune their regimen. Um, and as I mentioned earlier, the ability to use multiple basal rates for different times of the day. What are some drawbacks to using an insulin pump? Well, the patient has to be attached to something and that can take, that can take some getting used to. Um, some of our insulin pumps have tubing that connects the pump to the patient and some are tubeless systems. Um, but either way, it is wearing something 24 seven um, and that can be challenging. Um, situations come up where a patient is at the beach, they don't wanna be attached to things and it can be a little challenging. Um, also, there is a risk for diabetic ketoacidosis because if the insulin from the pump gets cut off for whatever reason, the patient immediately loses their access to insulin as compared to a patient on injectable insulin where it lasts, let's say 24 hours for the long acting insulin. So if the tubing gets kinked, if something happens, the patient needs to know how to handle these issues in a timely fashion so that they do not develop uh, DKA. Other types of issues would be site issues, such as infection, um, the, set, the infusion set getting pulled or irritation of the skin. And then there's always expenses involved, uh, co-pays that might be for the pump or the supplies uh, if the insurance does not cover everything. Um, and this is to show you the three main brands of insulin pumps that are currently being used. We have the Insulet Omnipod system, which is the tubeless system that I mentioned. Um, you have the Tandem T-Slim, as well as the Medtronic um, systems. And these are all great and have benefits and pros and cons, um, which you know the provider can speak with the patient to figure out which is the right system for them. So moving on to the artificial pancreas. So what is an artificial pancreas? It's also known as a closed loop system or a bionic pancreas. It's composed of the use of a CGM and an insulin pump and regulated by a computer algorithm that integrates the information and will adjust the insulin pump based on the values in the CGM. There have been two types of systems that have been studied, one or two hormone system, meaning insulin versus insulin plus glucagon, because as you know, the pancreas does secrete normally insulin and glucagon. However, the current systems that are commercially available are all insulin-only systems. 
So this is a schematic of what the artificial pancreas would look like. You have your CGM device, which is assessing what the glucose level is. Uh, you have your insulin pump, and then there is a control algorithm, which may be embedded in the insulin pump, which interprets the information from the CGM and will adjust uh, the insulin that is being delivered to the patient. Now, there's different levels of closed loops, meaning that the loop might not be fully closed. We have what's called a hybrid closed loop system. Um, and these are actually what are currently available, are the hybrid closed loop systems. But to give some examples, the earliest version of a hybrid closed loop system was called low glucose suspend, meaning the CGM detects hypoglycemia and the pump temporarily shuts off for patients who are hypoglycemic to prevent them from getting more hypoglycemic. However, this doesn't actually prevent hypoglycemia because you have to be hypoglycemic for that to work. So then the next level of innovation was called predictive low glucose suspend. So in those situations, the uh, CGM predicts that the glucose is going to be low in the future and the pump will shut off to prevent the patient from having hypoglycemia. And the pump only shuts off for a very short period of time so that the patient doesn't have hyperglycemia either. After that, you could have that hypoglycemia predictive feature and add on other features for minimizing hyperglycemia, such as giving extra corrections for hyperglycemia, but automated without the patient being involved. Um, and then another way of having a hybrid closed loop system would be to have the basal rate that is determined uh, automated basal rate determined based on the glucose level from the CGM, but the patient is still uh, announcing when they're eating and entering mealtime boluses. What we do not yet have commercially available is a fully closed loop system that does not involve the patient at all. And one day maybe we will have that, but the uh, trouble with that sort of a system is that if the patient is not entering their mealtime bolus, there is a time lag um, from when the glucose starts to rise after they eat and when the insulin starts to act from the pump and patients still often have hyperglycemia after eating. And so they haven't um, gotten to the point where a fully closed loop system is available yet. So I'm gonna just walk you through the current systems that we have. So there's the Medtronic 670G system, which was the first hybrid closed loop system to come out a few years back. Um, and what this system does uh, this was studied for type 1 diabetes, um, and it gives uh, an automated basal rate uh, throughout the day. It self-adjusts based on the glucose level. Um, this pump can actually function in the traditional sense, called manual mode, and then it also has auto mode, which is where the basal rate self-adjusts based on the CGM, meaning the hybrid closed-loop feature. However, this uh, system uses the Minimed sensor that we talked about that requires frequent finger stick calibrations. So in order to stay in auto mode, patients have to be checking their finger sticks very frequently and they get a lot of alarms and uh, we've encountered some dissatisfaction from patients with the system for that reason. But when patients are successfully in auto mode, they do very well. 
and this is the data showing the time and range. The range is set at 71 to 180 milligrams per deciliter. So when patients are using the auto mode, they had 71.6% time and range versus 61% when not using the auto mode. They also had less hyperglycemia and less hypoglycemia. Moving on to the next hybrid closed loop system, which is the T-Slim X2 pump paired with the Dexcom G6, which as you may recall is the uh, CGM that does not require finger stick calibrations. Uh, so patients, at least in our practice, often prefer this system for that reason. Now the, the Basal IQ was the first version of this that came out um, a couple years back. Um, and this uh, had the predictive uh, low glucose suspend feature that I described earlier. So if it predicted that the glucose was going to go below 80 milligrams per deciliter uh, within the next 30 minutes, it would temporarily shut off the basal rate. Um, and this was associated with 31% reduced rate of hypoglycemia, 4% increased time and range, and no increased rebound hyperglycemia. And just recently, uh, a few months ago, uh, the latest version was approved called the Control IQ, but actually it's just becoming available for patients right now. Um, and so this is the same pump, the same sensor, but better features. And this was also studied in type 1 diabetes. So it's still a hybrid closed loop system, and it has that same predictive hypoglycemia feature that I mentioned with the basal IQ. Um, the patients are still manually bolusing for their meals, um, but it does add in automated correction boluses for hyperglycemia to try to target both the hyperglycemia and the hypoglycemia. And there's also overnight intensification of basal insulin delivery to try to target a normal or near normal glucose in the morning. And we're excited to see how patients do on this system. This is just starting now. Um, just looking at some of the data on this control IQ system, uh, the time and range uh, defined as 70 to 180 milligrams per deciliter was 71% for the control IQ hybrid closed loop system uh, compared to 59% for patients on traditional pump therapy. Um, and this equated to 2.6 more hours per day spent in the target range using the hybrid closed loop. Um, this is a meta-analysis looking at the various artificial pancreas systems for patients with type 1 diabetes. Just to show you some of the data, um, we have uh, favoring of the artificial pancreas systems in terms of time and range. So the percentage of time that patients are in the normal glucose range seems to be favored um, in pretty much all the studies. Um, in terms of A1C reduction, we also have a favoring of the artificial pancreas compared to control. And control, by the way, would be any other type of insulin administration. Um, and finally, hypoglycemia also is minimized, favoring the artificial pancreas systems compared to controls. Um, finally, I'm going to review uh, this article, which was uh, in the New England Journal uh, in 2018. Um, and this one was different because it's looking at inpatient use of a, a fully closed loop system for patients with type 2 diabetes. So Bally et al., uh, it was a randomized open label trial on general wards in two tertiary care hospitals in the UK and Switzerland. It studied 136 adult patients with type 2 diabetes. The primary endpoint was the time and range, which was defined as 100 to 180 milligrams per deciliter, which is a typical hospital target. Um, and interestingly, this was a fully closed loop system, um, so patients did not bolus for their meals. This makes sense because the patients studied were not patients who had necessarily been on insulin pumps or CGMs before, so they wouldn't necessarily know how to count their carbohydrates, et cetera. 
Um, and the uh, as far as the baseline characteristics, the mean age was around 67, BMI was around 32, um, and the mean A1C uh, was around 8% uh, for patients in the study. So looking at the results, the time in target range uh, for patients using the closed loop system was 65.8%, which was significantly higher than for the control group at 41%. And the mean glucose was lower at 154 versus 188 in the control group. Here you can see at the various times of the day in the red is the closed loop glucose values. And in the blue is the conventional insulin uh, glucose values. And you can see that at all the various times of the day, the patients using the closed loop system did have lower glucose values than the patients getting traditional therapy. In terms of adverse events, neither group had any severe hypoglycemic events. There were more hyperglycemic events in the control group. Um, and when it comes to adverse events, it is important to mention that there was a few issues in regards to devi device malfunctions in the closed loop group. Um, and this brings up a key issue with bringing this sort of technology to the inpatient setting because it would involve training an entire hospital worth of staff on how to use these devices. Um, and it's not, you know, let's not overly simplify what would be involved with that, not to mention the cost. But it is certainly very interesting information. Um, and, you know, let's see what the future brings with future research in the inpatient arena. In terms of future directions, uh, we've reviewed the hybrid closed loop data. Primarily, the data has focused on patients with type 1 diabetes and in the outpatient setting. Um, these are mostly small clinical trials with short follow-up duration. We did review the meta-analysis data, which was favorable. Primarily, we're looking at improved time in the target range for the artificial pancreas systems, but we do want to know more robust outcomes research uh, for the patients beyond just the glucose levels. It will take some time until we have that data available. It's been uh, great that the CGM systems have become more accurate over time and have less need for calibration and hopefully this will continue uh, improving the accuracy and reducing the need for finger stick calibration in future systems that may be uh, designed or optimized. Questions come up regarding the use of CGM in the primary care setting. Um, certainly it is feasible. Um, it would require knowledge and education, um, but patients may benefit since many patients with diabetes are not seen by endocrinology. Um, as far as inpatient use, I mentioned the data does look great, but cost, training, logistics are issues that uh, do create some barriers for using this therapy uh, right now. Um, and as far as using the artificial pancreas system for type 2 diabetes in the outpatient setting, this is not an area that has been very well studied, um, although we are using the uh, Freestyle Libre system a lot more uh, recently for patients with type 2 diabetes. So uh, we'll have to wait for more uh, data on that. All the systems that I've described were single insulin, single hormone systems with insulin, um, but you know, insulin and glucagon may be a promising treatment option in the future. Um, this is limited by the fact that uh, stabilization of glucagon uh, at room temperature can be challenging. Um, and finally, when will we have a commercially available fully closed loop system? I don't know, but it will be exciting when that happens one day. Well, I hope you enjoyed learning about uh, medical devices with diabetes and the latest that we have to offer in the world of endocrinology for patients with diabetes.
Uh, we look forward to what the future brings uh, in this arena, and I hope that you'll be able to take some of this uh, information and bring it to your practice every day um, because patients are asking about it. They hear about these items on the television commercials, and uh, it's important for you to know what these things are um, and maybe even prescribe them. So with that, it's been a pleasure speaking with you today and hope you have a great day. Bye.